But God, we just thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. We thank you, God, that you love us so much. And God, we thank you that you've given us the opportunity for relationship. And that's what we want today. We want to know you in a greater way. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives today and touch us that we would not leave here the same in which we came in. We'll praise you for that. We'll love you for that. We'll adore you for that. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, do you know the voice of God? Do you know the voice of God? Well, this is the last message in our current series, You Asked For It. Say that with me, You Asked For It. Great message series we do every year, and we'll be coming back this time next year, answering the questions of what you have. We polled you as a congregation, and we said, what do you want to hear? What's pressing in your life? Now, some people get upset with that. I don't think people should tell you what to preach, but it's biblical. Because what we see that many of the messages that Jesus preached were in reference to the questions that people asked him. People came to him and asked him about this. And Jesus said, well, there was a farmer that went out and he told a story and he brought a message that answered their questions. And I pray through this month and last month that we've answered the six top questions that you have. And no surprises again, really, with the list. But I will say this. I'm just so delighted to see that two of the things, two of the subjects on the list were to deal with what about spiritual gifts and also how do I hear the voice of God? And I love that. Why? Because it shows the desire that you have as a church to grow in God, to be used by God, just to allow God to touch your life. But again, this is a subject that was top or one of the top on our list again. And it did not shock me. How do I hear the voice of God? How how can I know that God is speaking to me? And this time, because we've already preached this message really three times, I'm coming at a slightly different angle at it. And I want to talk today about how can I recognize his voice? How can I distinguish with all the noise of everything that's good? How can I really know it's God? How do I know that God is speaking to me? And I believe it's very important that we know that because we have a speaking God. We have a God that wants to speak into our lives. And I think it's important that we know the voice of God, especially because we seem to be living in a day where people are so flippant to say, well, God told me. So quick to say, well, I just feel that God told me this. And of course, God can tell you. But what seems to be happening is the thing that God told them to do the next week, they're doing something completely different. And that's not good. And it's definitely not God. I said, that's not God, because we don't serve a schizophrenic God. God doesn't say one thing, change his mind, say, oops, made a mistake, let's go over. How do we know this? From the word of God. Malachi 3, verse 6, God says this, For I am the Lord God, I do not change. I don't have to change. Why? Because how can you perfect perfection? How can you change that which is truth? We see this also in Numbers 23, verse 19. God speaks and God says, I'm not a man like you. So I don't lie. I'm not the son of man that I've got to repent. God said, I don't have to change my mind because the thing I spoke and the thing that I said at the beginning was truth. He said, will I not say it and will I not do it? Have I not spoken, God says, and will I not make it good? So in other words, if God says, it's going to come to pass. And that's why we've got to be so careful because many people just want to be spiritual about it and they're not, but they just want to be spiritual. And really what they mean when they say God has told me is this, that, hey, this is what I believe and you ain't going to change my mind. 
And so we've got to be very careful with that because if God has indeed spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. And it will indeed happen. You see, the problem today is this. You ready? It's not a speaking problem. It's a listening problem. God is still speaking. He has never stopped speaking. The problem is that we have chosen not to listen or to hear or we have been distracted by so many things. Look at this statement. If God doesn't speak, then the greatest disservice that we can tell people is that they can have a personal relationship with God. If God's not speaking, because some people believe that God's voice is silent, that he's not speaking. But if that's the case, the greatest disservice that we could give you as children of God is to say, you can have a personal relationship with God. Because what kind of relationship can you have with someone who's silent, that doesn't speak? that is not interacting with our lives. But what do we know? God will speak and does speak. And the scripture that we want to really base this message from today is John chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse 2. But Jesus is talking about the shepherd and the sheep. He's the shepherd. You and I are the sheep. The shepherd leads his sheep. And in verse 5 he says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To the doorkeeper... He opens and they hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. That's something very important to note. That God calls us personally by name. In other words, God speaks or desires to speak to every one of us. He doesn't just call the herd. He calls the sheep. God knows your name, the circumstances of your life and where you're at. That's the personal relationship he wants. And then he leads them out. Verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him. Why? For they do not know the voice of a stranger. In a few verses, what we've seen there is the gospel message. It's the relationship that God desires to have with us, a personal interaction that he wants to fellowship with us, he wants to talk with us, he wants to go out before us and lead us, that we can follow and know his voice. Every one of us can have that. What an incredible picture. So I can hear the voice of God, yes. And Jesus is coming at a time where they were taught and told, you can't hear from God, you need a priest, you need someone else to stand in for you, that they stand between you and God, they're your voice, they're going to tell you what to do. And Jesus says, no, 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 the shepherd wants to be engaged and involved with the sheep. That means this, you can hear Jesus on Monday. That means you can hear Jesus on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You don't just have to hear him. On a Sunday morning when you come to church, through a pastor and someone speaking, you can hear Jesus all for yourself. Jesus talked about sheep in another way. He talked about the lost sheep. And I asked the question, well, why was it lost? And from what we just read, I believe the reason the sheep was lost was because it didn't follow the voice. It didn't listen. What a picture of how we are in our lives. How lost we can get when we choose not to follow his voice the leading and the guiding that he has and the direction he wants. So how do I recognize his voice? How do I know it's God? How how do I know it's not the devil? How do I know it's not me? Come on, I I maybe ate too much pizza last night and the cheese is kind of keep me up. I'm dreaming. How, How do I know? I get asked that a lot. How do I know it's God, the devil, or maybe it's just me? What did Jesus tell us? Here's how we can know. 
Through relationship. Through relationship that we can know his voice. I've done this before, but could you all close your eyes? I'm not going to jump out and freak you out. But just close your eyes right now and keep them closed. And don't open them because that's a sin because I asked you to close them. You don't want to sin in church. Right now I'm going to ask someone to speak. And I'm going to ask someone just to say, hey guys, how are you doing? And as your eyes are closed, I want you to see if you know who this person is. Are you ready? Hey guys, how are you doing? All right. Who knows who that person is? You open your eyes. Who knows that person? Come on, put your hand up if you know that person. Who was that person? Tamara. Tamara. Why do you know her? Because Pete... Tamara comes in the office every day. Kara knows her through inter- Those of you who put your hands up and says, I know Tamara's voice, you've got a relationship with her in some shape. Who, who did not know her voice? Come on, put your hand up. Okay. But why? Because you know her now probably and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you aren't in relationship with her. Watch this. Everyone close your eyes again. You ready? I'm going to give someone else's voice. Are you ready? And I want you to see if you know. If you know this voice, as soon as you hear this voice, put your hand up. Okay. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Hey, guys, how you doing? It's not a trick. Anyone know that voice? Come on. Open your eyes. Everyone knows that voice. Why? Because you just heard me speaking for the last five, ten minutes. You come every week and you hear that. You're in relationship. You're in fellowship. That's my pastor. That's my friend. I know that voice. Do you see what happens? We say, well, God, I don't know if it's you. We can know. The problem is not that he's speaking, but we're not in relationship with him. Because when we're in relationship, will know his voice. Sunday to Sunday. So we're talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Here's the question I have for you today. How much time are you putting in to knowing his voice? I mean, really, how much time are you putting in throughout the week to hearing the voice of God? Because as a pastor, it concerns me if the only time you're hearing God's voice is on a Sunday morning for two hours. Because you try and build a marriage like that. You try and have a marriage that between 9 and 11 o'clock on a Sunday, we're going to talk, we're going to interact, we're going to have fellowship, but then the rest of the week we're going to be in separate rooms, we're not going to interact, we're not going to talk, we're going to have nothing to do. Tell me what kind of marriage you're going to have, a nothing marriage. And then we're surprised that we don't hear God and we don't know God, but that's how we treat Him. We have two weeks of God, two hours of God a week, and we expect to know His voice. It's no wonder we're following the wrong voice because the voice that should be familiar to us, the voice of God, now becomes the stranger's voice that we shy away from and the world becomes the familiar voice that we heed to. 1 John 4 and verse 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Say with me, voice. Do not believe every voice, but test the spirits, plural, the voices. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. Look at the Message Bible that says, My dear friends, do not believe everything that you hear. Be careful to weigh and examine what people tell you, because not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers who are loose in the world. My God, we need to learn this. Not everyone who says, well, God's told me to tell you this is of God. We've got to be very careful. We've got to test the spirits. We've got to know the voices that are speaking in. We've got to know the voice of God in each and every one of our lives. Why? Because even the best can miss it at times. Remember Peter, the one that Jesus loved? 
One day, Jesus is asking all his disciples, and he said to them this question, um, who do people say that I am? Peter put up his hand, or everyone had an answer, and Jesus said, who do you say that I am, remember? Jesus said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, good boy, only the Spirit of God has revealed that to you. Peter's top of the class. Did you catch that? He's top of the class. Jesus is praising him. Good job. Good boy. But in that same chapter, Jesus is telling them that I'm going to have to leave and I'm going to have to go to the cross. And I'm going to have to be crucified. And you know what Peter says? Jesus, not you. Stop. Don't talk about that. You're not going to do that. And you know what Jesus said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. So one moment, Peter's top of the class. Good boy. Only God could reveal that. But almost the next breath, Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What does that show us? That we as human beings have the ability to miss God in our lives. And that's why, can I, can I just talk, this wasn't really in my notes, but I made it in my notes earlier today. Because I think it's so important. We are living in a time where it seems like everyone is seeking a word from God. Everyone wants a personal prophecy. They want someone to speak over their lives. And I believe in prophecy. I believe that God speaks to his people and God can use prophets and people to speak over our lives. I truly believe that. But I believe there are a lot of lying voices out there too. And can I tell you right now, prophecy is so important for this reason. Are you ready? Prophecy should only confirm that which God has already spoken over your life. If it's not confirming what God has already spoken over your life, then I question it's God. Because God's not just going to out of the blue tell you to go to India, sell everything and go. God's already been dealing with you with a heart for missions and God's already been leading you in that direction. I think India, you're already sensing that. So God uses prophecy to confirm that which he's already personally spoken into your life. You see, I don't need a man to speak over my life what God himself can speak into my life. And I need to look at those things as a confirmation. So be very careful when it comes to these things. Because we've got a lot of people seeking a word from other people. I don't want a word from man. I want a word from God. And God will speak. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man. It feels good. It goes along with my desires. It's what I want for my life. Woohoo! This has got to be God. But the Bible says, but its end is the way of death. Come on, it's the wrong way. It's the wrong voice. I'm following the wrong thing. So I've got to be careful. Because I can know his voice and I can follow. There's a pathway of choice before every one of us. But which voice is leading you? So pastor, how can I distinguish if it's God? How how can I know? I'm going to give you four tests today. And I'm telling you, these are great tests. We've talked about these in the past, but we're just really going to just zone in on these today. Four tests that I believe that can really help you. And you need to check the box of every one. Don't just take two out of four or one out of four. Well, that's got to be God. No, if it's God, every one of these boxes will be checked. And really, it's almost a foolproof test. For you to know whether it's God or not. So number one. How do I know it's God? How do I recognize the voice? The relationship that God wants to have with me? How do I know it's God? Number one. Does what's been said in my life line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? What is the Bible? It's called the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is literally words that have been written 
by a God who has spoken them, inspired them, breathed them into other people. The Word of God is one author, but many writers. God came upon men to write the Word of God, but He was the author. How do we know this from the Word of God? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. NIV says God breathes. So literally spoken, every word is spoken for God. Why is his word so important? Why is the Bible so important for us? It gives us a list of reasons why. It says, for it is profitable for doctrine. In other words, it's that which will set me on the right path. It will teach me right from wrong so I'll know what to do in my life. It goes on to say that it will reproof. That means rebuke. I need to be rebuked sometimes by God. I need to be set in my place sometime for God to say, Philip, that's not what I want. I need to be in that place of rebuke. And God's word has surely done that to me many times when I've read it. What else? It's for correction. The thought of correction is redirection. When we correct our children, what do we do? We realign their lives back to obedience. They're wandering away. They're disrespectful. We're just going to line them back up. That's the correction, reguiding our life. And then for instruction in righteousness, literally training us how to live a life that pleases God. That's what God's word wants to do. So therefore, anything has to be in line with the God, with the word of God. Why? Because his voice will never contradict his word. Catch that. Well, I, I just really feel God's leading me this way. If it's against his word, then it's not God. Because his voice will never, oh, there's never a contradiction between his voice and between his word. Look at this example, and it's an example of many we could pull. The religious leaders came to Jesus and they tried to question Jesus when it came to divorce. And they tried to trip him, they tried to test him, they tried to trick him. Matthew 19, verse 3 through 5, it says, And the Pharisees came to him to test him and said to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Verse 5, And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here they are trying to trick Jesus to try and trip him up. What's Jesus' response? His response is, it doesn't matter what my opinion is, here's the word. And he says, has it not been written? Has it not been said? Notice the response that Jesus gave. And here's the truth. That's what we need in every one of our lives because his word will never contradict his voice. And his voice will never contradict his word. You can come to me all you want, but I'm telling you right now, my opinion doesn't matter. You know what all my opinion will do? <laughs> it will just affect and maybe alter your life. It may cause you more harm than good. Because at the end of the day, I don't need opinion. I need the word of God. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on that subject. We need to give people the word of God. Because the word of God is the truth of God that will lead us. The truth you know, come on, will bring you into freedom and to liberty. Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus says, but my words will by no means pass away. Why? My words are true. Even with laws, laws have changed today. But even with laws changing, God's word is still the same. 
You can get upset with me all you want if I'm about to say something right now. But the deal is this, in God's eyes, marriage is still between a man and a woman. It doesn't matter what the law may say, God's word is still the truth. And man can try to change whatever he wants, but God will never contradict his word. So if it's not in line with God's word, it's not God. And it's not the best for his children. But when we think about the word, we've got to also be very careful because the word needs to be in proper context. That's called the whole counsel of God. We can take a verse out of the Bible and make it fit our lives. And that's the problem many times of what we have. We try to fit the word of God into our lives. We try to make it fit into our desires and what we want to do. Well, God's word says I can do this. And God's word I can say, well, let's read the entirety of God's word. Because the reality is this, God's word shouldn't fit into my life. My life should fit into God's word. And that's the goal that we have to have for each and every one of our lives. Notice when Satan came to tempt Jesus. He'd been fasting for 40 days and Satan came to tempt him. How did Satan tempt Jesus? With the word. He spoke the word of God. It's so funny to think that he spoke the word to the word because John says the word became flesh, Jesus, and he lived amongst us. But you see, Satan tempted Christ with a word out of context and Jesus brought it back into full context. And he overcame those temptations by saying, no, it is written. Man shall, it is written, he will give his, it is written. He came back with the word of God. Why? Because God never contradicts his word because his word is him. Number two, will it make me more like Christ? That thing, that word spoken over my life, will it make, is it a God thing for my life? Will it make you more like Christ? Well, man, it's a great promotion. I'm going to be gone for three months. I'm going to be out of church. I know. But, oh, man, I can get ahead with my bills. I can. Listen, hold on a second. Something that's going to keep you away from God and fellowship with him is not always a good thing for your life. You've got to consider these things. Look, I know there's seasons in our lives, but we've got to ask ourselves, will this decision, will this word spoken over my life, will it take me in a direction that will make me more Christ-like? You see, salvation, knowing God, is God's ultimate goal for mankind. But then after we're saved, there's another goal that God has for our lives, and that goal should now be that we become more Christ-like, that we become more and more like Him. I pray that over my life every day. God, I want to be more and more like You. I, I, I want to be more, I want to speak like You. I want to live like You. I want to be like You. Paul said it this way. Paul said, follow me, he said, as I follow Christ. He wasn't saying, look at me and who I am. But what he was saying is, look at the example that I'm giving to you because every day I strive to be more like Christ. And he said, would you follow that example? Would you follow the life that is surrendered to relationship to become more like Christ? Now, what's the truth about our lives? Here's the truth. None of us are where we need to be. But we're also not where we used to be. God has taken us. God is moving us. God is fashioning us. We're not perfect. We haven't arrived. Paul says we haven't arrived. But one thing we're doing is we're letting go of everything else so we can run that race, so we can pursue after God, so we can be a partaker of God. In other words, he was saying we're letting go of all those things so we can become more like Christ. And that's what we need to realize in our lives. It's a walk. It's a trip. But you know what? God's not then going to take us to do something and be something that's going to not look like him. I know we've talked a lot about this lately, but I just really feel, again, it's important. Small groups, small groups. You need to get in a group. I said, you need to get in a group. 
We had a great week of small groups and it hasn't finished. We've got a married for life at our house. That's the last group for this week. Wow, it's been a phenomenal week and we've seen so many people engage, but there's so many people who are still not engaged. You need to connect into a group and here's the reason why. We need to be more Christ-like. And we believe that life change happens in relationships. What do I mean by that? Iron sharpeneth iron. I need to be around some other people who will help me to become more like Christ. That's what I love about the church. If I want to know how to be a parent, there's people and examples in the church that can help me. If I want to know how to be a father, if I want to know how to handle my money, there's someone in the church and the church offers something that perhaps no other place does, that by their example and by their leading, I can get what I need. That's what we get in groups. Why? Because we can be around other people who are just like us, who need help. But together, what's our common goal? We want to become more like Christ. We want to be more. Paul talks about that we are spurring each other on. Remember, I asked you the question, how much effort are you putting in between the Sundays into hearing God's voice? That's why we're doing groups. We want people to hear God. We want people to enjoy God. Because we can enjoy God and we can have fellowship and we're seeing that. You you should hear the testimonies of people after dancing at Jitterbug for an hour and a half that are just loving life in a greater way. Why? Because just the fellowship, the communion, the fun that they're having, the relationships that they're building through financial peace, just all these things, just the great strength that they're drawing from each other. And I'm telling you, you can get that. I need that. I need fellowship. I need other people. You know, I've always been an athlete. I've always loved sports. And one thing I know about sports and doing those things is this. If I want to be better at anything, I need to be around people who are better than me. So if I want to get better, I remember, you know, as a golfer, I'm a pretty average golfer. I'm not a bad golfer. I'm not a great golfer. I'm pretty average. But you know why I'm an average golfer? I'm an average golfer because really all I've ever played is average golfers. And it's fun and I go out and golf is fun for me. The time it stops being fun, I'll never play again because why waste my time? And so I enjoy going out. But I remember once a young girl in our youth group, she was getting married and her dad was flying in from Vegas. And and she said, hey, I've set up for you to play golf with my dad. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He likes to play golf. He plays a lot. Yeah, he's pretty good. I said, what? Yeah, he's pretty good. I said, well, what's his handicap? She says, two. If any of you know anything about golf, that's, that's pretty good. Because here's me, I'm about a 14, and he's a two handicap, and I'm like, man, I'm going to make an absolute fool of myself. And so what do I do when I see him? First thing I say is, man, listen, sorry, I'm just warning you right now, I'm a hacker, man. I'm not a good golfer. I mean, I heard you're like a two, and you're like incredible, you're like pro. I'm not, but that was one of the best golf games I'd ever had. Why? Because the people I was used to playing with maybe had a bad shot, so if I made a slightly better shot, I was better than them. But this guy was hitting the green nearly every other time. So what did I have to do? Man, I'm like talking to myself like never before. Man, come on, Philip, get this. But that was one of the best games of golf I ever had. Why? Because I had to be stretched. In order to be challenged, I rose to that challenge. I remember playing squash, a sport in England. It's kind of similar to racquetball over here, but squash is a longer-handled racket, smaller head, and the ball is very small. It's about the size of a ping-pong ball, but it's rubber and it's got no bounds to it. And it's a very fast game. In fact, it's one of the most physical games that you can play. And I used to think I was pretty good at that. I used to go out and play. Had a guy that came over to England from South Africa. And um, we were getting to know him. And he says, man, I love to play squash. I said, me too. He said, would you play with me twice a week? Let's, let's do it and play. I was like, yeah, that's great. 
Man, how embarrassed I was. I went out there. He spanked me so bad. I mean, he whooped me. We played seven games. It goes up to 15. We played seven games that night. I scored three points. No joke. Three points. Not in one game. In seven games. And amazingly enough, at the end of the night, he said, man, I had a lot of fun. You want to do that again Thursday? I'm like, man, if you, yeah. I played with that guy for over four months and didn't beat him one game. Seriously, one game. I was leaving to come over to America and it was the last time I'd be playing with him. And that last day is the first game that I ever beat off him. And it was amazing. But you know what happened after that? Anyone else I played at squash, I could almost whoop just like he whooped me. Why? Because the challenge. You see, you need to be around people that have struggles like you, but they know the victory through those struggles. You need to be around people that can help you, and that's what groups offers. Why? Because we want you to become more Christ-like, like we want to become more Christ-like. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, you've got to think and act like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, the last part of that verse, it says, I've got to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What he did, he was obedient to the cross. I need to begin to act and live my life in the same type of obedience and sacrifice and surrender that he, I've got to bring my life and my thoughts to that place. So how do I know if it's God? Maybe, maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about it. And that's great. You're in the right place because we want to teach you. And maybe you may say, well, pastor, what does it really mean to be like Christ? Well, the Bible tells us, James gives us a list of things that will help us if we don't know what it means to be Christ. Like James 3, 17 and 18 says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, or really the life of God is this, that you would be pure, be pure. Mom, are these words I'm going to say, are they they pure? This email I'm about to send, the social media, what I'm reading, what I'm engaging in. Man, is this pure? Because if I'm going to be Christ-like, I've got to be pure. Then I've got to be peace-loving. I've got to be considerate. I've got to be submissive. I've got to be merciful, full of mercy. I've got to make sure that good fruit is coming out of my life. I can't be impartial. I've got to be sincere. God wants me to be a peacemaker who will sow into peace because when I live that way, I'm going to reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you see all that? God says, if you want to be Christ-like, if you want to be like me, do the list. Are you pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it considerate, submissive, merciful? Is there good fruit that will come out of that? Are you impartial, sincere? Are you a peacemaker? Come on, that's a good list for every one of us to be working on in our life. Remember those old wristbands, WWD? What would Jesus do? If we ran everything through that filter, our lives would be completely different. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in a situation? Man, they just slapped me upside the face. What would Jesus do right now? Would he ball up his fist and punch him back? What would Jesus do? do. I tell you what he will do. He will never contradict his word. And everything he says over your life is with a desire to make you more like him. Here's the third thing. You ready? Does godly counsel agree? So important. Does godly counsel agree? You can always find someone that will tell you what you want to hear, but you need to make sure it's what you need to hear. Big difference. I can find people that can say, oh, it's okay. 
Now, I need to be around people that's going to tell me it's not okay if it's not. I need to, people to speak into my life what I need, not what I want or think I need. Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no counsel, people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, the Bible says there is great safety. And the key there is to have godly counsel. It's not just the amount of counsel that you have. It's the godly counsel that you allow. So are you getting opinion or are you getting God's word? A lot of people want people's opinion. I've counseled with a lot of people and my opinion could have gone like this. Are you ready? Man, he's a jerk. I would divorce him too. My opinion could have been, man, yeah, I would have hit him back too. Man, you only hit him once. I would have hit him five times. He deserved that. That's my opinion. But we've got to be very careful because we don't give the opinion. We've got to give the world. A lot of people, the word, a lot of people out there counsel shopping. They want to go around and find the right person that can tell them. I had someone a few weeks ago that said to me, Pastor Philip, I've already talked to Pastor Pete and Pastor Rob. I want to know what you think. I'm like, man, if you've already talked to them, you already know because I know what they've told you. Because here's what I instruct anyone in our pastoral care team, anyone who's counseling people in this church, here's what I say. I don't care what your opinion may be on the situation. You've got to give people the word. You have got to give people the word. Because if you give them an opinion, that's not going to change anything. But the truth of God's word will. That's why I've got a sign outside my office. And the sign outside my office says this, do not enter unless you want the truth. That's the sign that's outside my office. Why? Because if you want to just be said it's going to be okay, find someone else. Because we're going to tell you if it's not okay, it's not okay. But let's show you how it can be okay. Because God can turn around any situation and any problem that you have. Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 19, 20, 21, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Not just today, but it works future tense. If you make the right decisions today, it's going to bless your future. 21, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will Stand. Proverbs 24, 6, for by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. I love that. You get the right counsel, you're going to be victorious. There may still be a fight, there may still be a battle, but you're going to be victorious in that war. You're, you're going to be victorious. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Why? Because there's power in agreement. If there's a major decision in my life, Kelly's life, in our family's life, you know what I pray for every time? I pray that God would confirm it three ways. Just when we've done these changes in the church, I've really prayed and sought God because I don't want it just to be something I feel. I want to know it's God and God has confirmed. And this is what I asked. And God's not upset if you ask for confirmation for his word. God gets upset when he confirms it and you still don't choose to do it. And that's the difference. There's power in agreement. And so we've got to make sure that people agree. It's like the joke of the guy who said, God, if it's you... Uh, if, if you want me to eat Krispy Kreme donuts, then when I drive past, the light will be on. Anyone know what the light means? Come on, hot donuts. Can I, mm, praise God. Well, the guy drove past Krispy Kreme and the light wasn't on. So you know what he did? He drove around the block three times. And he kept driving and driving and driving until the light came on and then he convinced himself it has to be God. That's what we do many times. Listen to me right now. If there's no agreement, you need to stop. Why? Look at this statement. God doesn't need your help. He just needs your obedience. Don't try and help God. Well, God didn't say that. He really meant this. No, God said what he said and meant what he meant. His word is true. Don't try and help his word. Be obedient to his word. Because then you'll help your 
Say off. Bit of American there. You like that? Say off. Bit of Southern right there. Number four, do I have peace? Is there a peace I have about it? Is there a peace about it? Do I have a peace? Is there an inner peace that I have? Look at this statement from Pastor Chris Hodges. I think this is really powerful. We don't just worship a God. We have a God within us. And that may just go over your head, but I want you to think about that. We don't worship a God. God, I thank you and praise you. We have a God that lives inside of us. We worship the God who lives inside of us. Who is the God that lives inside of us? Isaiah gives one picture, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, speaking of Christ, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One of his names is Prince of Peace. So I don't come asking for peace. I have peace living inside of me. Come on, you've got to catch this. As a child of God, I have the Prince of Peace living inside of me. So it's not what he brings, it's who he is. So we saw this last week, the old bumper sticker. Remember this? No Jesus, no peace. If there's no Jesus in a situation, you're not going to have peace because the inner peace is inside of you. And if there's no peace, it's because there's no Jesus. But when you know Jesus, when you know it's something he's spoken, then you will feel and know his peace because his peace will come. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 says this, For God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of disorder. He's the author of what? Peace. He brings peace because that's who he is. Philippians 4, 7 and 8. I don't have to be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Really, that's relationship. Coming to God because it says, as I make my request known to God, as I bring those things before God, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasseth all my understanding, it's going to guard my heart and my mind through Jesus. Come on, and the peace of God comes to my life. No peace, there's no Jesus. That word understanding there means human reasoning. You're trying to figure it all out. God says, I'm going to go beyond what you can reason. I can give, I've known God to give me peace when I shouldn't have had peace. Does that make sense? In the world's eyes, there's no way you should have peace. Look what you're going through. But there's just been a comfort. There's been a blessed assurance inside of me because God is there showing me, giving that to me, that people have said, how can you do that? It's not me, but it's the peace that lives inside of me. And then it says, and he will guard your heart. Literally, the picture is of a a soldier, a sentry that's put out in front of. I remember going to the Tower of London. It's a beautiful place to go. And you see those troops and those soldiers that stand there with those big furry hats and they march. They're not just for show. They are really on guard. Because if you try and get close, man, they'll set you back. Why? Then that's the picture that God has. It's not just for show. God wants to be that guard that keeps your heart and your mind. So... Does it check all the boxes? Well, I'm kind of feeling, does it check all the boxes? Well, someone does it check all the boxes? Because if it doesn't, there's two things you can do. And the first one's probably the best. Disregard it. Get it out. Remove it. But there may be another option sometimes, and that is this, shelve it. Because there may be something that you may say, yeah, I, I, I believe that. And I know that was what God wants, but guess what? It's not the right time right now. You see, because timing is just as important. 
because you can have the right thing at the wrong time and it will screw everything up. You've got to have the right thing at the right time for God to move. The band can come back. But let me close with this. If we're going to spend time with God, that's how we hear his voice. If you are saying to me, I don't really know if it's God, then really my next question is going to be is, how well do you know God? And I'm not judging people because what we see through relationship, God says, you'll know my voice and hear my voice and you'll follow. But the voice of a stranger that you won't. You see, our goal has to be to build relationship. So many of us want to know the voice of God and the instruction of God, but we don't want to be in fellowship with God. We don't want to be living for God. And so we've literally got to prepare our heart to hear. And there's three simple steps. Are you ready? Three simple steps that I believe can prepare my heart to hear from God. Number one, I've got to tune in every day to God. I've got to tune in. I've got to be purposeful, intentional to tune into God. Why? Because I've got to tune out a lot of other stuff. I don't just pray to pray. I don't just read my Bible to read my Bible. What I've got to understand is prayer and the Word and church and all these things. What is their purpose? Their purpose is tools of relationship so I can know God in a greater way, so I can become more Christ-like. I don't just do those things with no purpose and no meaning. I do them to change my life. So I've got to tune in to God every day. But in order to tune into God every day, here's the second thing I've got to do. I've got to tune out all the things that will oppose God in my life. And you know what they are. Maybe for some of you, you need to put some social media down for a while because it's becoming such a voice over your life that you just aren't spending time with God. Maybe it's friendships, relationships. Maybe it's the gym. There's nothing wrong with getting in shape. But what does it profit a man, the Bible says, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? If those things are taking the place of you tuning in to God every day, you've got to start taking stock of your life. Revelations 3.20 says, Behold, he's knocking at the door. I stand at the door and knock. Notice he's not kicking the door in. He's not even forcing his way in because the handle of the heart is on the inside. I have to open the heart door in order for God to come in. What's taking the space that God wants? It doesn't mean it's all wrong, as I said, but it's in the wrong place. And then the third thing I need to do is I need to take steps towards what God has spoken. I need to start engaging. I'm not just praying anymore about it. I've prayed about it. Now I've been led by God and I'm going to start acting. Well, God, I need a job. Well, start signing up some interviews. Start getting the paper and start looking for job applications. Fill out some stuff. I've got to start stepping towards what God has spoken to my life. God's spoken to my life. I need to start serving. I need to sign up for group. I need to be, I need to do these things that God has spoken in my life. And I've got to be intentional for these. Come on, you asked for it, and I hope this helped today. Because if you want to know the voice of God, His voice is a voice that can be known. And He longs to be known by you. But there's got to be relationship. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Relationship. Relationship. He wants a relationship with Him. When you go home today, I encourage you to read this scripture. 1 Kings 19. Elijah's seen the prophets of Baal, the victory that God has he answered by fire from heaven. Wow, how incredible. 
He's experienced this miracle, but yet King Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. And he runs for his life and he's afraid and he's fearful. And God shows up to him. And God says pretty much to Elijah, I'm going to show you who I am. And the Bible says that God caused a wind, a hurricane to blow. And the wind was so strong, it says that the rocks, it broke the rocks. Wow, that's a strong wind. Elijah's, he's feeling it all around him. He, he, he's sensing it all around him. But the Bible says God wasn't in the wind. Then God shook the ground around him. There was an earthquake. Can you imagine the fear that he's going through as the ground's shaking and rocks are breaking and everything? But God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a fire. Wow, the heat he feels. Maybe all his hair is singed and burnt. Wow, the heat that he feels as a fire intense comes all around him. The Bible says God wasn't in the fire. But then, a still, small voice. God says then a delicate whisper. And as soon as Elijah heard the whisper, a voice, he fell to his knees because he knew that was God. What are you saying, pastor? So many times we look for the manifestations. We want God to do this and we want God. And God can do wind, fire, earthquakes. God can do the mighty, miraculous things. But you know where God really is? In a still, small voice. Why? Because a still, small voice speaks of relationship that he wants to have with you. We want the manifestations. We want God to do this and God to do that. And God will and he can. But what God really wills and what God really wants is you. Because when he has you, he has everything. He has everything. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand. But here's what we're standing for. We're, uh, we're, we're going to stand to take those steps towards God. We're, we're going to stand to take those steps towards a new relationship with God. That we don't want to be distant from God. We want to have a new relationship. We want to know His voice in a greater way than we've ever done before. And come on, if that's you, you just want to know God in a greater way. You want a, a greater relationship to hear His voice. Just to be mates with God like never before. Come on, wherever you're at, just begin to stand all over this place. Come on, just begin to stand right now. Come on, just begin to stand. I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God in a greater way in my life. I I need God in a greater way in my life. I've got to have Him in a greater way in my life. Come on right now, Jesus.